ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌನಕ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಪೂರ್ಣಮದೂರ್ಣಮುದ್ಯತೆ ಪೂರ್ಣಸ್ಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಾದೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯತೆ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಶ್ರುತಿಸ್ಮೃತಿಪುರಾಣ ಆಲಯಂಕರುಣಾಲಯಗವತ್ಪಾದ ಶಂಕರ ಲೋಕಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವಂಬಾದರಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತೌವಂದೇ ಭಗವಂತೌಪುನಃಶ್ವರೋ ಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇದಿ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದವಿಭಾಗಿನೆ ವ್ಯೋಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ಲಕ್ಷಣಾಮೂರ್ತೇನಿಸ್ಮೃತಿಷ್ಠಾಪ್ರೋಕ್ತಮಯಾನಘ ಜ್ಞಾನಯೋಗೇನ ಸಾಖ್ಯಾಕರ್ಮಯೋಗೇನ ಯೋಗಿನಾಕರ್ಮಣಾಮಾರಂಭಾತ್ಕರ್ಮ್ಯಂ ಪುರುಷೋಷ್ಣುತೆ ನಂಸನಾದೇವ ಸಿದ್ಧಿಂಸಮಿಗಚ್ಛತೆಕರ್ಮಣಾಮಾರಂಭಾತ್ಪುರುಷ ನೈಷ್ಕರ್ಮ್ಯಂಸ್ತೇನಿಂಗ್ಸ್ಕೀಮ್ಸ್ಕ್ರೈಬ್ಡ್ಲಿಕಮಿಂಗ್ What is meant by freedom from action is not non-performance of action. When Vedanta says become free from action, it is not non-performance of action, but it is freedom from the bondage that action can create. If action is done with the attitude of doership, I am doing the action. if behind the action there is this notion that i am the doer the reality is that self is not the doer rohadan gopanishad says prananeva pranabhoti vadanvak pashyan chakshu on account of identification with the breath i i call myself a breather on account of identification the organ of speech i call myself a speaker on account of identification the organ of hearing i call myself a hearer so these conclusions and notions on my part that i am a seer i am a hearer i am a speaker i am a thinker 
these conclusions are clear notions about myself. Each one of these notions is born on account of taking as myself what I am not. Organ of speech I am not. It is a tool that I have to perform the act of speaking. But identify that with that. So whereas the act of speaking is taking place at the level of organ of speech, I say I am the speaker. This is called identification. Whereas the act of hearing is taking place at the level of the organ of hearing, I say that I am the hearer. Whereas the act of thinking is taking place at the level of mind, I say I am the thinker. So these have been taken for granted by us. That I am a speaker, I am a thinker, I am a hearer, I am a seer, I am eater, I am an enjoyer. So these are the notions that I have about myself which are not right. Each one of these notions becomes a cause of sorrow, sometime or the other. Whenever you feel unhappy in your mind, then you can ask this question, who is feeling unhappy? The answer will be, it is a speaker who is unhappy because I said something and then, you know, I had to regret. The speaker is unhappy. I heard something I should not have heard. The hearer is unhappy. I saw something which is unfortunate. The seer is unhappy. Atma, only when identification takes place, when I assume myself to be a doer of some action or the other, that is when a possibility of unhappiness. I'm not saying that every time I speak I'm unhappy. But, so speaker is not necessarily unhappy. But unhappy fellow is always a speaker or a hearer. You follow? Every time I do something, doesn't mean that I'm unhappy. But whenever I'm unhappy, that is the result of branding myself as a doer of some action. <clears throat> so what is meant by freedom from action? Atma is never free from action because Atma, the self of the consciousness, never participates in any action. Just as electricity does not rotate the fan, in presence of electricity the fan rotates. If electricity identifies with the fan, then it may think that I am turning this fan. That is called samsara. But if electricity knows I am electricity, in my presence the fan rotates, that is the reality. So freedom of action does not mean cessation of action or stopping of action. It just means recognizing that I am ever actionless the recognition of true nature of myself. Because Atma is ever free, ever free from action also. The self does not have to become free, it is ever free. The bondage is just a notion. Because of taking upon myself the attributes of what I am not, and then I suffer from limitation. After all, mind is a limited entity. I then develop the mind, I am going to suffer, I feel a sense of limitation. I can't think properly. I can't remember. What did you say? I could not hear. I cannot understand. That is okay. Nothing right or wrong about that you don't understand. That you cannot remember. Okay. But if that causes unhappiness in me, I can't remember even. That is, that is the problem. And how did that problem arise? Because I think that I am the rememberer. 
and from I the rememberer, I have an expectation that I should be able to remember everything. That I am a knower, I have an expectation of myself, I should know everything, I should understand everything. <coughs> that these identifications bring out expectation of myself and whenever I fail in my expectation of my own self, I become unhappy with myself. So all that Bhagavad Gita is interested in is to help us become free from sorrow. As Bhashyakara says in the beginning, Shoka and Moha, <coughs> grief and delusion are the basic problems of human being and Bhagavad Gita's teaching is meant to help release the person from grief and delusion. And grief arises in fact, there should be no grief in Atma because I or self is ever free. <coughs> but as I said, grief arises on account of my taking myself to be a limited being. The sense of limitation arising on account of taking this body or the mind or the sense organ as myself. So what is meant by freedom from action? Freedom from action is the recognition of the fact that I am always free from action. I the self. When my perception of myself changes, then I discover that I am always free. The perception I have about myself right now, then I feel that I am doing this and doing that. I am not free. So actionlessness means a change in perception of myself. A recognition of the true nature of myself that I am just consciousness. Ever free. And as Swamiji said, Unqualified consciousness I am. Free from all qualifications. Free from all attributes. And therefore free from all limitations. Therefore ever free. Boundless. That's a reality about myself. We don't have to become free, thank God. We don't have to become limitless. Otherwise it would have been impossible. But the one who is limitless takes himself or herself as limited. So that notion has to go. <coughs> So Lord Krishna said that knowledge has to take place in to recognize that actionlessness is my nature. Freedom from my, is my nature. I'm ever free from action. But Arjuna, that cannot happen simply by not performing action. So that actionlessness should not be equated to non-performance of action or cessation of action. That's the problem. Somebody thinks that I don't do anything that I'm free from action. Not really. It is recognition of the nature of self that is actionless. So Arjuna thinks that if I don't do the action, I am free from action. You are not. Na karmanamanarambhat Simply by abstaining from action, simply by non-performance of action, you do not become free from action. You do not become actionless. In fact, action is very much required to become actionless. Action is very much required to become free from action. That's the teaching of Bhagavad Gita. So what does action have to contribute? Action, as we said yesterday also, action contributes by way of the purification of mind. Jnana mutpadyade pamsam kshayat papasya karmana. The Shruti, Shruti says, papasya karmana kshayat. When all the ragadveshas, when they get exhausted, attenuated, Jnana utpadyate, the knowledge arises. Yasadarsatale prakhe, 
Pashyatyatmanamatmani. Just as I'm looking at a mirror, in spite of looking at the mirror, if I cannot see my reflection clearly, that is because the mirror is perhaps covered with dust. Or while looking at the mirror, if I find that my face is distorted, then perhaps there is distortion in the mirror. So how a distorted mirror reflects me as a distorted, my face as distorted? How a mirror on which there may be a layer of dust, you know, does, does not enable me to see my reflection or my reflection is very dull. Our mind also is like mirror. The mind always reflects the self. But the nature of reflection is just as nature of reflection my face is determined by the nature of the mirror. And so also how I see myself is determined by the nature of the mind. Mind is a mirror which is constantly reflecting me and I am looking at my reflection all the time and then saying I am a thinker, I am a doer, I am happy, I am unhappy. All of these are what? Reflections which I see in my own mind. So something very clear, like a mirror which our mind should become like a plain mirror, free from dust. So what are the impurities in the mind? These likes and dislikes are the impurities. And the agitation of the mind are like the waves in the mirror. If the mind becomes free from the impurity of likes and dislikes, and mind becomes free from agitations or distractions. It becomes like a transparent pool of water. How a transparent pool of water reflects or enables us to see the bottom of the water clearly. And so also a transparent mind enables us to see ourselves clean. No separate effort is to be made. When you are in front of the mirror, no special effort is made to see your reflection. We cannot see the reflection. It is not by some action that you will see the reflection. If action is involved, it is cleaning the mirror, not doing something to your face or doing some other things. And so also what is required is cleaning the mirror, mirror of the mind. <clears throat> and how do you do that? By a certain attitude. <clears throat> as we will discuss. That is called Karma Yoga. The Yoga of Attitude. Yoga is the attitude. <clears throat> so Arjuna, it is not by abstaining from the action that you can clean the mirror of your mind. It is by performing action with an attitude of yoga, with an attitude of offering that you can clean the mirror of your mind. Because that also requires scrubbing, you know. With the mirror, is covered with dust, you need to do some scrubbing. And so also we need to do some scrubbing in order to clean up our mind. What is the scrubbing? The scrubbing is the attitude of yoga. <clears throat> so, Lord Krishna says that in fact karma or performance of the duty is a means of moksha, is not an obstacle to moksha. Provided you perform those duties with the right attitude, you perform the same duties with an improper attitude, it becomes a means of bondage. The very same action performed with the right attitude becomes a means of freedom. Action neither binds nor frees, 
It is a given attitude that binds us, a given attitude that makes us free. What is the attitude? Attitude of self-centeredness is a binding attitude. Attitude of selflessness is a freeing attitude. Attitude of being consumer is a binding attitude. Attitude of being contributor is a freeing attitude. Action is the same. I may be giving maybe hundred dollars to somebody. What's the attitude? It's not the action. Whether it's a loan given at a ten percent rate per month, you know, suppose I extract. So if I do that action for ex- it's taking advantage of that person, that's a consumer. On the other hand, I perform that action as a as, as an act of offering, helping. Same action is a contributor. So it is not the action which binds or releases. It's a misconception on the part of people that action binds. It is a given attitude that binds and therefore a given attitude makes you free. What's the role of action? Role of action is action becomes an occasion to entertain an appropriate attitude. Because whenever you are about to perform an action, the mind always comes up with a given attitude. Usually of grabbing, consuming, exploiting. There you replace that attitude with an attitude of giving. That's all. So thus, karma becomes an occasion for us to maintain, entertain proper attitude. And that's how our life becomes a life of, you know, a, a journey to freedom. <clears throat> so living intelligently, Life becomes a journey to freedom. Living unintelligently, the same thing becomes a journey to bondage. <clears throat> All of these Arjuna has not understood. And that's why the confusion. And Lord Krishna gives a long, big, big background for Arjuna to understand. What we already understood, you know, in this ten minutes, Lord Krishna gives a long background. Here, Arjuna, by simply abstaining from action, you cannot become free from action because action, in fact, is required as a means of freedom. If you give up that action, you are given the only means available to you for getting freedom. So, only thing that you have, only resource that you have to become free is action. Right now, at the stage that Arjuna is, then a day will come that he need not perform action, then he can lead a contemplative life. Karma, Jnana, Yogena, Sankhyana. So when he acquires a mind like that mirror, which is free from dust, which is free from angularities, or waviness, or distortions. So when mind becomes free from distortions, becomes plain like mirror, then you can see yourself. And then a teacher says, you are Brahman. I understand. Because you see yourself as Ananda. That mind will reflect you as Ananda. You don't have to make a separate effort to gain happiness. All they need to do is just to create that proper frame of mind. Then you see experience of Ananda. Then you are Ananda. That becomes very clear to me. When I'm experiencing myself as a sad person, any time, any number of times, you are Ananda. Okay, thank you. In fact, it makes me more sad. Because I'm supposed to be Ananda. And I feel so bad about myself. 
And therefore, this karma yoga. <coughs> now, Lord Krishna says here, next verse, that look, hey Arjuna, even if you want to give up action, you cannot give up action. You do not have freedom even to renounce action. Why is it so? The fifth verse tells us that. Nahi kaschit kshanam api Jatu tishthatya karma krita Karyate hyavasah karma Sarvah prakruti jair gunai Nahi kaschit kshanam api Kaschit Na kaschit no one Kasit means someone. Na kasit, no one. Kshanamapi, even for a moment. Jatu, ever. Tishthati remains akarmakrit without doing an action. No one can ever remain, even for a moment, without doing some action or the other. Here, when we say no one, it means no ignorant person. That's what is meant here. No unintelligent person put it this way. There can be a person who has acquired a right frame of mind. He can remain without performing action. But generally speaking, generally speaking, an ordinary person having his own desires and likes and dislikes, having all the various notions, an ignorant person an unintelligent person, even for a moment that person cannot remain free from action. So understand that we are not performing, from what Lord Krishna says here, in the second line, kāryatehi avasah karma sarvaha, everyone is made to act helplessly, meaning that we are made to act, we are not even acting. It's not that we who are performing action, action is being performed, we are made to perform action. See the difference here. Sometimes a person keeps talking and talking and talking. He's not talking. Something forces him, compels him to talk. Compulsive talker. Just a very clear example of how he's not doing something within him that makes him do helplessly. Somebody eating and eating and eating, you know, all these different anonymous are there. Overeater anonymous, overspender anonymous, whatever, and many others. What does it mean? Overeater means what? He cannot control eating. He's not eating. Something is forcing him to eat. Overspenders, that person is not spending, something compels him to spend. I safely use the pronoun him, you know, so then we are safe. <clears throat> but these are all cases that we can recognize, but we are also in that category. Fortunately, all of us are similar, therefore we, are, we do not need a special help. Then we need Gita's help. When we become a little abnormal, then we need special help. <clears throat> But some abnormality is there in everyone. So normally abnormal. 
So Bhagavad Gita addresses a person who is normally abnormal or whatever. Normally confused, normal problems. Because helplessly a person is made to act, do something. By what? What makes me do that? How come I cannot sit quietly? How can? How come I mean I need to do something? It's restlessness in my in my personality. Once a Bada Swamiji was telling us, he was giving lectures in Chapati, in the signs of Chapati. And sometimes he used to close his eyes and then talk, you know. And so maybe after a few minutes he opened the eyes and he, he saw the people in the signs of Chapati. Everybody was busy doing something. He saw many people taking signs from one hand, putting in another hand. From there to this hand. They are all listening on one hand, you know. Very often, well here of course, but in India, when we have those carpets which are woven, when people are sitting there, one hand is always trying to pull out something. As Swamiji was saying yesterday, you know, sitting like this, doing something or the other. Because there is some restlessness inside. It is that restlessness that compels this person because restlessness is then needs an expression. And expression is in terms of some activity, some cheshta. Of either talking, hand movements of hands, legs, or it makes you get up and do things. Sometimes you are meditating and you want to focus your mind. But the mind has its own agenda. So then mind tells me, look Swami, see in the bathroom, that tap is leaking, tuck, 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 tuck. I never hear otherwise, you know, only when I meditate that I hear these things. I never otherwise heard these things. Doesn't matter, let it be. But mind says, no, no, stop it, you first stop it. I am made to get up, go and tighten that faucet, and start again. Then mind says the clock. Tick, 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 tick. Otherwise you never hear these things. Come on, doesn't matter, let the clock tick. No, no, the clock has to stop. So you take the clock and put away someplace. In short, the mind doesn't want to meditate. It doesn't want to just sit quiet. It wants to do something. That is the restlessness within, which is seeking its expression in terms of doing something. What is it? Lord Krishna says in the second line, Kāryatehi avasah karma sarvaha prakruti jaihi gunaihi. But the gunas born of prakruti. The mind is made of three gunas, sattva, rajas and tamas. Any one of these sattva means when the disposition is tranquil, generally there is no problem. When the rajas is predominant, mind becomes agitated, restless. When tamas is predominant, mind becomes dull, sleepy. So usually rajas is predominant. So when rajas becomes predominant, the mind becomes restless. <clears throat> and that's when it forces me to do something. And so it is discomfort in my own self, the restlessness in my own self, 
dissatisfaction that I have with my own self, that is what makes me always do something. What causes the restlessness? What causes the discomfort? My dissatisfaction with my own self. There is always an undercurrent of my dissatisfaction with myself because I am not happy with myself. This we have discussed a number of times. How come I am not happy with myself? Because I cannot live up to my own expectation of myself. I have expectation of myself as to how I should be. What is your expectation? I expect that I should be complete, I should be perfect, I should be whole, I should be limitless. That is my expectation of myself. And whenever I see myself as a limited being, I become unhappy with myself. And then I cannot stay with unhappiness. That unhappiness or the discomfort that it causes forces me to do something. All the desires are generally expressions of our discomfort within ourselves. Our dissatisfaction of our own self, they generally manifest as desires. And what is the purpose of a desire? What do I expect to fulfill, I mean achieve as a desire? I am just seeking to be pleased self. The desire behind every desire is, I am just seeking to be happy, a pleased self. Meaning that a self with which I am happy. I just want to be happy with myself. That's all I want. I just want to be happy with myself, comfortable with myself. I always have battle with my own self. That's why my mind is like Kurukshetra, like the battlefield. And constant battle is going on with my own self. All I want is peace within myself. How come there is no peace? Because I am critical of myself. I am sometimes criticizing myself, condemning myself also. So how can I be at peace, when I reject myself, when I am unhappy with myself, when I condemn myself, I am always critical. We complain so many that these people are always criticizing me. They may do that. But it will not matter to you if you did not criticize yourself. When somebody criticizes me, it just pushes some button, that of my criticizing myself. Otherwise, nobody can do anything to me. The fact that the world is able to affect me is because these lots of buttons are there of self-criticism or self-dissatisfaction, <clears throat> self-non-acceptance. And as long as the mind is ragadvesha, so long the ragadveshas are expressions of self-non-expression. So this ragadveshas, attachment, aversion, this is what makes my mind restless. And they force me to do something. Therefore, I do not have freedom not to do something. Understand? It is not easy to renounce something. Renunciation calls for renunciation means what? Having grown out of something. Having grown out of a certain need, that is called renunciation. When you renounce your home, it doesn't mean just walk out of the home. It means what? You have grown out of the need for the home. Then you are renunciated even when you stay in the home. You can be living in the home and you can still be renunciated if you have become free from the need. So what Vedanta is teaching us is to live a life which becomes the process of progressively making us free from the needs. And most needs are emotional needs. 
arising from self-non-acceptance. Therefore, this karma yoga is a beautiful plan where by entertaining the right kind of attitude, slowly and slowly I discover a satisfaction with myself. That's the purpose of karma yoga. That's prantahakana suddhi. So what is purification of mind? When there is comfort with myself. I'm happy with myself. Swami, how do I know if I'm making progress? Well, you are your own witness. I mean, you are your own judge. Are you happy with yourself? Are you comfortable with yourself? Most of the activities we perform are all escape distractions. Just escaping from our own self. Because we do not want to confront ourselves. Keep yourself busy with something or the other. When I have freedom not to do something, then I am free. Generally, I don't have moment TV is there. It tells me, come on, switch on. The computer is there. It tells me, come on, internet, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, something. So all these things, that, that laptop has a capacity to distract me from what I am doing. I am studying Bhagavad Gita, that thing says, come on Swami, come here. It makes me switch it on and go through all half an hour of gyrations and then you come to what you, you know, what you want. So are we doing the one important, it will be interesting to watch our own mind, to, to see whether I am doing something or am I made to do something. If you are doing something, you are using your free will. If you are made to do something, you are not free. In dining hall, am I eating or am I made to eat? Particularly the food is delicious, which often it is here. Then, whether I am eating or I am made to eat. I need two chapatis, alright. When I have the third chapati or the fourth, then the puri is there, you know, wait. And the chole is there. So one puri and chole and the second one and the third one. Then of course there will be all kind of stomach aches. That will come later. <laughs> so it will be interesting to observe all the moments. See this is Vedantic sadhana by the way. To be introspective. Observing ourselves. The processes of the mind. Because there are all, there are this well-established patterns in the mind, let us become familiar with them. I am doing something or I am made to do something. If you are doing something, fine, then you are using your free will. Then you can decide what you want to do. In most, very often, we do not decide what we want to do. It is decided for us. It is that internet that decides, the television that decides, the movie that decides, the friend that decides, the food that decides, the music, they decide what I do, I don't decide. <clears throat> I, mean, I just mentioned a few sources of entertainment or anything else. Everybody is made, helplessly made or compelled to do things by the restlessness which is within ourselves. But the likes and dislikes which always keep my mind agitated or restless, it is that which compels me to do things. So usually human beings compelled. 
So what is moksha? Moksha is freedom from all compulsion. When you are free to do what you want, free not to do something, that's also freedom. When I have freedom, not to do something. So moksha is freedom from all compulsion. Here Arjuna, that will not come simply by not doing something. By doing things properly, that you can gain that freedom. That's what Lord Krishna is teaching. Some people are so enthusiastic about sannyasa. Somehow the sannyasa always fascinated people in India. And it's associated with knowledge and with, with moksha. So suppose somebody insists that anyway I am going to take sannyasa. I am going to give up all my activities. Autsukya <clears throat> matrena, sometimes by will, sometimes by wrong understanding, sometimes by imitating somebody, whatever the reason is. A person just gives up all activity. Swami, I am retired. Okay. We think that by retiring, we will automatically enjoy peace. Because when we are doing something, that action, you know, our activity or our, you know, becomes such a source of agitation. Because action means what? You have to interact with the world and they will keep pushing your buttons and this is a lot of stress is there. So then it's very comfort, a comfortable idea, so I'm going to retire. I'll become free from all stress. No, we, wish, we bless you and we wish you well, you know, that simply by not doing something that you become free, but no. As I said, as long as the inner restlessness is not gone, simply by not doing something, you cannot become free. So in the next verse, Lord Krishna describes a person who has given up all action. Why do you give up action? So you become a sannyasi. Why do you So you can meditate. All right. So here is a description of a person like that. <clears throat> In the sixth verse, Lord Krishna says, Karmendriyani sanyamya Yaaste manasasmaran Indriyarthan vimudhatma Mithyacharasa uchyate. Yaha karmendriyani sanyamya. So here is a person who uses his will. And karmendriyani, he, he restrains all his organs of action. So that is where we have, it is possible for us to restrain our sense organs. Meaning that I can shut my mouth and not talk. That is possible. I can shut my eyes and not see. That is possible. Some people even put plugs in the ear while meditating so that no sound comes in. That you can do. My, I can sit in a Padmasana or Samasana so that my legs also are restrained. That can be done. My hands also I can restrain. The body also is restrained. Everything is restrained. So thus I can restrain the body, I can restrain sense organs, and thus I can make all preparations for meditation. That I can do. Because there, restraining at the level of physical body or sense organs is under my control, I can do that. So, karma indriyani sanyamya, having restrained all the organs of action, 
But mind, you, you know, restraining mind is a different matter. Mind is not under restraint, mind has its own mind. Meaning mind has its own agenda. And very often agenda of the mind is different from my agenda. I have an agenda that I want to meditate on Lord Dakshinamurti. Om Namo Bhagavate Dakshinamurti Mahyam Shriyam Medham Pragnam That's what I want to do. But mind has its own agenda. It wants to do something else. So while I'm doing this, some sound comes. Mind says, hey, what's happening there? Who has come there? So I've closed my room, you know, the doors are closed. And still, what's going on outside, the mind is curious. So it wants to hear. It tunes up with what is going on out there, who is talking, who is moving, who must have come. Even here also, while you're listening to this talk, if suppose somebody gets up from here and then walks by, then you do look at the people, all the eyes are all focused on that person. They escort him all the way from here, all the way there. The Swami is sitting here and talking, nobody is looking at him. And people may not even know that this is happening. This is just habit. Moments, the moment is there, the eyes will automatically follow. Moment and sound is there, the, the ears will follow. If nothing else, then you know, you're watching. It's good here. But in India, if you're sitting like this, it's quite possible that some ants may be crawling. So people escort those ants, you know. And is going. Because mind is very unsteady. It cannot focus. As long as mind is unsteady, mind is restless, mind cannot focus. Simply restraining the body and sense organs doesn't help. Although outwardly he looks like a yogi, he's meditating, I'm a sannyasi, I've given up all the actions and I'm meditating upon Brahman or God, whatever. But as I said, mind has his own agenda. Indriyarthan, mind has his own temptations, his own attractions. So it thinks of something else. When people come to Rishikesh and places like that, for camp, you know, for ten days. So with a lot of trouble they have traveled from where location is, from Gujarat and from, you know, from Mumbai, this, that. And 6.30 is a meditation. The Rishikesh ashram, you know, after all the kind, quality of tea, quality of chapati, all of this, I mean, one, any ashram, you know, you to experience what it is. So tea may have perhaps uh, a lot more water than normally what you have at your home. It may have a lot more sugar than what you have at your home. So the tea that the person had before meditation was not satisfactory. So while meditating, Swamiji is giving here the guided meditation that follows is the tea. Oh, at 6.30, my wife must be making tea at home. And then he smells that, you know, the ginger and the masala and things like that, all the chai. He meditates on tea. <laughs> this man had quarrel with his wife. He had a frequent quarrel with his wife. And then, 
Why if I had enough of him, both of any of each other, I guess, you know. And so, uh, one evening he comes home at five o'clock, normally expects a cup of tea, you know, when he returns home. But today there was nobody greeted him and then he says, uh, I'm home, all right. <laughs> Where is my tea? Make, your, make it yourself. Somebody, she may not be in a great mood today, whatever, you know. This fellow got so angry, he says, what? There is no value of my, I have no value in this house, nobody bothers, nobody cares for me. I don't want to stay here, I'm going to walk out. He walks out. And he goes to Rishikesh, comes to the ashram. Swamiji, I have come here to meditate. Very good. So Swamiji calls his, one of his sevaks and says, Please give him a room to this person, you know. He wants to meditate. After a few minutes, the person comes to Swamiji. I want to meditate, but Swamiji, what should I meditate upon? Swamiji, you can meditate on anything you want. What was the last, who was the last one that you saw before you left home? I was talking to my wife, that's the last one I saw. Meditate on anything other than your wife. What are the last thing you saw? <laughs> First of all, he asked the question, how long should I meditate? Meditate for 15 minutes. Then he came back and said, what should I meditate upon? Meditate on anything other than the last one you saw. Your wife? Meditate on anything other than... He came back in three minutes, Swami, I can't do that. The only thing my mind thinks of is my wife. <laughs> Better go home. And if you have quarrel with her, settle with her. With her. Better stay home. And you know, do what is necessary there. Because simply by running away or by desiring to meditate or desiring to worship, it's not possible unless we have the cooperation of our mind. Unless the mind has become our friend. Unless we enjoy the favorableness of our mind, then mind can actually cooperate with our agenda. Then mind is available to do what I want to do. Otherwise, mind has its own agenda. And that is not mind's fault. So far I have allowed my mind to do whatever it wanted to do. I myself engaged the mind in doing this and that and so many other things. Mainly activities uh, of, you know, self-gratification, etc. So that has become habit of the mind. Now I have changed my idea. Now I want to meditate. What do you think? You know, the river is flowing in one direction and all of a sudden now you want to change the course. It's not going to happen like that. It's a very slow process. Meaning that to bring the mind under control, to make, become the, to gain tranquility of the mind is a long process. And that's a process called Karma Yoga. So, having, without the preparation of this Karma Yoga, without having made the mind free from its likes and dislikes, the mind still has so many attractions and, 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 and repulsions. <coughs> That poor mind also is not free. That mind itself is controlled by its own attachment and aversions, its own likes and dislikes. So mind that is controlled by likes and dislikes is not available to me, it's not controlled by me. And so Lord Krishna says, Hey Arjuna, even if you want to give up the action, you do not have freedom to give up the action as long as the mind has not gained a tranquility, as long as the mind is not with you, as long as mind has not become your friend, 
as long as you do not have the favorableness of your mind. Until then, you do not have the freedom. Until mind decides what to do, you don't decide. And how does mind decide? The likes and dislikes decide. So likes and dislikes decide what the mind should do and mind decides what I should do. And I am just helpless. So in most cases, we are helplessly doing things. We are compelled to do things. We do not even have freedom. All these verses can help us, as I said, to understand our own self, our own mind. If we are attentive and if we pay attention to the various thought patterns in the mind, then we will know what is the what is it that makes the mind do what it does. Then we will know what is ragadvesha because we don't even know. Swami, I have no ragadveshas. That's what people think. I have no problem. So this person comes to Swami and says, I have no problem. He says, that is a problem. That you think you have no problem. It's not that you have to impose the problem. So what is there has to be recognized also. <clears throat> Indriyasan vimudhatma mithyacharasauchare Lord Krishna is a very strong word here. Mithyachara. Achara means conduct. Mithya means false. A person of false conduct. Why do you call him false conduct? He's conducting himself very well. No, no. But his conduct is not in keeping with his thinking, you know. So when there is no alignment between the thought and the word and the deed, it's called Mithyachara. Thinking one way and doing something else. Talking one thing and doing something else is called Mithyachara. Mithyachara Sochade. He is called a person of false conduct. <clears throat> yeah, that's the translation. Person of false conduct. Otherwise they call him hypocrite, you know. But I, rather than that, a person of false conduct. <clears throat> Again, it is all helplessness. Not that he wants to do this. He doesn't know. He thinks that by simply restraining his body and the, and the sense organs, that he can restrain his mind. Now, this is a lack of understanding of one's own self. As to what is it that governs the mind and how important it is to make the mind tranquil before we proceed to do that. <clears throat> in fact, uh, it is said in another place, Tum padartha vivekaya Sanyasaha sarva karmanam yasmat. That Shruti meaning Veda do sanction the sanyasa renunciation. It does sanction. As I said, you can renounce your duties and responsibilities. That, that renunciation is sanctioned. But for what? Tvam padartha vivekaya. For viveka, for discrimination of the self and the non-self, it is for that purpose that the sannyasa is taken. So you can contemplate upon the nature of yourself. You can recognize the fact that this body, mind, intellect, etc. are not yourself. That you are independent of them. They are not independent of you, but you are independent of them. To recognize this, to contemplate upon the nature of the self with the help of the teaching is the purpose of sannyasa. Shravanam, listening to scriptures, Mananam, reflection upon what you listen to, Dididhyasanam, a deep meditation to assimilate what you have understood. That is the purpose of sannyasa. But when can you do that? When the mind is available to you, when the mind is favorable to you. Without that preparation, if somebody does it, in the fifth chapter, Lord Krishna says, Sannyasastu Mahabaho, 
dukkhamaptum ayogatahe. He Mahabahu, O long arm one, a person who has taken sannyasa, without this purification of mind, that sannyasa is of no use, it becomes a matter of great conflict. <coughs> so thus in these two verses, Lord Krishna told us how we, are, we do not have freedom to even renounce action. We do not have freedom not to do something. Because mostly what we are doing is done under compulsion, not by will. So when you gain a total freedom over your mind, then alone you have the freedom to not do something. Then you can give up the action. Then you can become a renunciate and then you can pursue the knowledge full time. That's called Jnana Yoga in a Sankhyana. You should become a Sankhya or a contemplative one. <coughs> and therefore, the person who is intelligent person, the seventh verse tells us that. Yastvindriyani manasa Niyamyarabhate arjuna Karmendriyaih karma yogam Asaktasya vishishyade Yastu, to means however, contrasting this person from the person who was described in the previous verse. The previous verse described a person whose mind was not in the control, he kept the sense organs under the control, the mind was not in control, thus there was no harmony, there was no alignment between the thought and the deed. On the other hand, Yastu on the other hand, Indriyana and Yamya, one who controls his sense organs and engages the sense organs of action into performance of action with the aid of Karma Yoga, Savishishyade, he excels, he is superior or better at any rate. So now Lord Krishna teaches us how to live intelligently, meaning how to conduct ourselves. We will continue that discussion. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutau Vande Bhagavanta Upunaf Punaha Ishwaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om